Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me as always, or not. Yeah, Brooke is off this week. Um, she forgot she was on vacation this week. So instead of um, Morgan Tayek, who I said was our guest, and I was right, by the way, um, because we ended up having to rebook her, um, I went and got us another guest. And I said, who in the community do you see all over the place talking to everybody, supporting everybody, sharing everybody's stuff? Like, who is a guy like that? Because I want a guy like that on the podcast, because those are the kinds of guys you can have a long conversation with. And we know how much you love long conversations. So I went out and I got the one and only Lefty's Woodshop, a.k.a. Kevin Hemphill. What's going on, Kevin? Not much, man. I'm glad to be here. Oh, it I, is, You could go on and you. on and say more nice things about me. That was I, great. <laughs> I, I have said so many nice things about you over the years. It's like, I mean, I don't know anyone that's ever not said a nice word about you. You're one of those guys that, you know, you go into any chat section of any instagram user or a lot of youtubers and it's like oh there's kevin and then you go on stories it's like oh there's kevin and then you go on other people's stories it's like there's kevin it's like oh look there's kevin promoting other people you promote other people's stuff more than you promote your own stuff actually which is amazing to me (laughs) yeah um i've always kind of been well some people would say i'm humble just because uh but yeah i I see something cool. I want to share it for sure. I want to get their name out there as well. So um, lately I've been doing some like quizzes and I've been called the uh, connector. It's kind of my <laughs> interpersonal intrapersonal like thing. So uh, it's on the money, I think. So it fits. I mean, it, it totally fits the um, let's start with obviously making is not your full-time gig. Um <laughs> Or at least I don't think it's your full-time gig. I could be completely wrong about that. And I said, obviously, like I knew what I was talking about, but I'm pretty sure it's not your full-time gig. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how you got to be a maker, how you got to find the passion for what your passions are, and um, you know what your day job life is like, all that fun stuff. Tell us all about the story of Kevin. Yeah, well, obviously you're right. I am not a full-time maker. I'd love to be, but yes. that's just not in the cards right now. I, obviously I've, is correct. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in education for the last, thir- or not 13, 18 years, mm-hmm. and I'm turning a new chapter this year, and I'm going into administration. Wow. So I'm an assistant at a new school. So things are flying at me like I'm drinking out of a water hose, but <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun. I've, I like the principal. We may be the only two males in the building, but um, we have similar personalities and everyone I've met is great. So um, for the next 10 years until retirement, I mix in woodworking when I have some free time. Okay. (laughs) Um, So how did I get into woodworking? Yes. Uh, Kind of the DIY stuff around the house. Um, I was, funny thing, I was actually pre-architecture back in the day going through college. And then... Uh, I had my girl and, you know, custody didn't go quite the way I wanted. So I said, what job can I work where I have majority of the time off with her? And that was teaching. So I had summers, I had every holiday, didn't have to ask permission to go and kind of made our um, quality time out and not as much quantity. So, so I've always been the creative type and just kind of things around the house what can i make what can i design 
and then it's kind of blossomed from there. I'm always trying new things. If you'll notice, I, I stick to it for a minute and then I kind of do my own thing as well. So I think the, I think that, I think the pre-architecture background does explain a little something because you do do, you have been doing more CNC stuff and I've noticed that there is a, there's definitely, you're not winging it. Like there's design that goes into the stuff that you make. And now it's, now it makes more sense Then you have a background yeah. designing things. Um, you have, you, so if I had to qualify what you do um, for somebody that's never seen your stuff, I would say CNC woodworking and resin. I think those are the three things I know you best for. Would you think that, would you say that's accurate or? Yeah, it is. I kind of wanted to call myself a sign maker for a while there because my wife will see a sign and I'm like, I'll just make it for us. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of those. And then uh, funny thing, my my eight-year-old gets me out in the garage a lot and we play around with resin. So that's kind of been the big push lately. And uh, my buddy Russ, he's two houses down. He has a sawmill and a ton of wood from his family's orchard. So last holiday season, we just made cherry boards with epoxy and just kind of went for it. So that's been fun and learned a lot in that process. So I'm amazed. I'm absolutely amazed because, okay, when, when I was a wee lad, you know, I'm 46 years old. So, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm what people, the kids today call an old. Um, but well, I remember when my dad was doing woodwork, the only thing we knew of as far as epoxy was five minute epoxy and you just use that to stick stuff together and i feel like when i discover the resins that we work with now that we kind of take for granted i feel like just like wow that's like magic i can't you can't do that right like you need special training or whatever and now you look like everyone has at least some resin experience if not a lot of resin experience and there's so i the the skill bar for what makes a professional versus what makes a DIY slash home slash weekend warrior person is so much lower now. Like the skill set of what a garage maker has would have gotten you to the top of most crafts, you know, 50 years ago. It's kind of crazy, actually. Yeah, when I think about like playing with resin, people ask me questions about it because I, I do post a lot, but mm -hmm. there's still stuff I'm learning and yeah. I kind of feel the same way i'm like i'm no resin artist for for sure um i just kind of know i can pour i can cut i need to have the right temperatures and yeah they've made it a lot easier for people like me so i so when i started when i started with resin i bought five different kinds of resins uh, literally five different kinds of resins uh, i would try this one uh, that didn't work I would try that one. That didn't work. I would try that one. And I got to a point where I was just like, maybe I'm just not meant to work with this stuff. Like maybe it's just too complicated. And I literally, I was talking to Brooke. This is now, now remember, Brooke wasn't co-host at this point. Brooke was just a friend. And I told Brooke, I'm like, I don't understand how you and Michael do such cool stuff with resin. And she just said, I got two words for you, total boat. And I was like, <laughs> okay. You know, and I, I, you know, I just thought it was one of those because, I mean, let's be honest, there are there is a certain amount of the maker community that's just like, what's the hot brand to be associated with right now? Get on that train and roll with it, right? So it's like, all right, I mean, what do I got to lose? I went on Amazon, I ordered the setup, it comes with the pumps, and I'm like, this is idiot proof. I might actually get this. 
and I worked with it for the first time and I'm like, oh wow, this is actually fun. And I really just, I, I wouldn't say I'm addicted to it, but I know that if I need to use it, I know how to use it. I know I could get what I want out of it. It's, it's much more predictable than it was when I started working with it, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I've used Jess Crow's like total boat, like mm -hmm. ocean board kit mm -hmm. and it was super simple, but yeah. I haven't used it since. And mostly cause it's like, we're built, doing so many boards. We could get it so quick from Amazon. I was using super clear and it's a great product too. So yeah, there's there. I think that's, I think the products actually have gotten better. I really do. I think cause yeah. they're more tolerant of stupidity. Like if you yeah. over mix something or under mix something, you're not automatically guaranteed a failure anymore. Whereas in the old days you had to basically put, if it said seven drops, get out the eyedropper dude, because if you hit eight, yeah. the whole thing's done. Exothermic cup melts disaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I always heard like, I tried some epoxies and I started a little fire cause it got too hot. And I'm like, yep. yeah, they must make it a lot easier cause I've never done that. And <laughs> I thought I definitely would. <laughs> I've done it. So I didn't know. So this is, this is what you don't know until you've dealt with it. So the first time I dealt with resin, I had some alumilite resin, which is a quality resin. It's not an off brand resin. I poured it all together and I put it in like, um, like a red solo cup. Makes sense. You mix stuff in a red solo cup, right? But I poured half of it into what I was pouring it into, and I left half of it in the red solo cup. <laughs> now, for those of you that have worked with resin, you know that's a major no-no. You don't do that because I had about four and a half inches of resin sitting in a red solo cup, and all of a sudden, I'm like, my, my workbench is covered in resin. Where the hell is that coming from? And then I see the cup, and the cup is just like, it's like shrinking as it deforms and melts and warps. I'm like, oh, 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 it's thick. Right, okay, I got to get rid of this. So into the garbage it went, crazy. I was like, you know what? I just left it, let it harden as best it could, and then I flipped the top of the workbench over because I wasn't trying to get that off of plywood. It just wasn't happening. But yeah, it's, those are the, funny. I think those are the things that people don't expect. And when you when it doesn't happen and you don't go through that panic of what do I do when this happens, it you know, when it does finally happen, you're completely unprepared for it. But Yeah. Um you never know because we my son and I, he's eight and he was doing a board for his birthday, so I had the mold all set up, had some nice cherry in there, and he throws as we're mixing it up, he throws one on me. He's like, I don't like that. Can we do something else? So I go and grab I just grabbed some chestnut with some bark on. I didn't spray it down. He wanted to do clear. So it's like flaking into the white or the ah. clear. And I'm like, buddy, we now have to use some pigment to cover that yeah. up. Right. It says board. I mean, we're not going to sell it or anything, but it was like pure panic mode. I'm like, man, when we start mixing that, we got to get going, buddy. <laughs> yeah. There's so. no, there's no stopping. It's the same with like, I'm learning that as I'm starting to work more with silicone and I'm, learning it as I'm working with pewter, you know, you take the pewter up and you start pouring. And it's like, you don't stop. Like you can't just yeah. stop pouring it. You have to pour and keep your, you know, where your excess is going to go very close because you're going to go pour, 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 move, pour, 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 but you got to keep it moving. Everything's got to stay moving. It's, it's, a, but again, that's what, that's what it is, right? This, I was thinking about, you know, what's in my shop. So I have a laser, I have a CNC, I have a table saw, I have, 
all these things. Then at home, I have a Cricut. I have a 3D printer. I have all... And you sit there and you go, these used to be individual skills that people got hired for, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. You know, even um, in- how do you like silicone? Because that's like my next venture. I'm like, I could play around with that. I could get into that. I could see myself doing that. I feel like if you get the ones that are meant for consumers, I feel like it's okay. Right? Okay. I think when you start getting into the heavy duty stuff like um, the Mold Max, the high end Mold, Ma- Mold Max stuff, I feel like that's stuff you have to have like a vacuum chamber for. I, I okay. can't imagine working with any of that stuff without a vacuum chamber because the thinner consumer stuff is designed to not be used with a vacuum chamber. So it comes out like thick set epoxy. It's almost water. Okay. It just pours like pure liquid and it's so liquid that the bubbles just come up to the top, pop, and they're gone. You don't have a bubble problem. But yeah, I think it's the same thing you learn with resin where bubbles are your worst enemy. Like bubbles, okay. bu- and they always form where the detail is, always. <laughs> but I've been, I've been playing with this putty that is really good. I actually have a, a two-step process that I'm kind of perfecting for using store-bought like um, silicone molds like you would get at like Michael's, using those to pour pewter. And it just involves an intermediary step of doing a resin cast into that mold, then taking the resin blank and pressing it into the silicone putty because the tolerance on the putty is like 350, 400 degrees, which is about where pewter melts. Like if you don't let the pewter overheat, it's just enough. And I've been, I did the first one. It didn't come out great. Then I did the second pour and I was like, oh, this is really good. Like this is starting to get there. And I learned like, number one, you got to heat up your molds. Your molds have to be hot. Expect the first cast to suck and just be ready to just put it right back in the pot and remelt it. And that was a big thing for me because I poured the first one. I was like, okay, that went in great. And then I flipped it out of the mold. I'm like, that's horrible. Great. (laughs) What am I doing wrong? All right, let me try again. And I did nothing different. I just poured it again into a hot mold. Instantly better instantly oh. better so that was one thing i also learned the last thing i made which was for al at new york woodworks i made a um i made a dragonfly for him and it came out great and one of the reasons it came out great was because i learned that baby powder is an essential part of the process dust that mold with baby powder and i'm like well Baby powder doesn't have talc in it anymore. It's all cornstarch based and I don't have anything but cornstarch. So you know what? I'm putting cornstarch in my mold. I dusted it in and no bubbles came right out of the mold. Looked great. And I was like, okay, so there we go. So now I can make the YouTube video (laughs) and teach people how to do it. I'll definitely consume that. Yeah. (laughs) Then be on my way. It's I'll tell you what pewter is pewter's a rabbit hole in and of itself. I know Lindsay's been playing a lot with pewter. Um, it's it's crazy how far you can go down that pewter rabbit hole. Once I get the CNC set up again, I'm going to do those flat MDF molds that everyone does. Like you do two pieces together with just a tiny little spout and just drizzle it in. That's the goal. That's the goal. Like I want to do more of that. Like I love that stuff. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. So you do, you do wood, you do resin, you do CNC stuff. Do you have... Um, do you have a particular favorite thing you like to do? I know I've seen you making a lot of boards lately. Um, 
and but then you went out and pulled off uh, a Minecraft sword. So it's like you're doing a little <laughs> bit of everything. So. Yeah, that was also my son's motivation, and that thing like was super popular. <laughs> but I don't know <laughs> that. Um, I I do love this scroll saw. I just with the mm -hmm. CNC, it gets ignored quite a bit. So every once in a while, I'll do a project where I can actually use it, and that was it. Um, although I could have easily thrown it back on the CNC and got a nicer <laughs> cut a lot faster, but you know, sometimes you want to well, use your nice, hands a little bit more. The nice thing about the scroll saw is you can you, your son can use it. Like it's yeah. one of the it's not a safe tool. I don't want the safety yeah. scolds to get mad, <laughs> but it's a safer tool. Like it's one of those least likely to get hurt tools <laughs> yeah i agree um i don't know i'll probably kick up the the board production here in a few months but i'll probably kick out some signs again cool. just to hit those major holidays right yeah halloween's always a big seller and christmas so that's probably what i'll do just because i already have some of those files and i don't know how busy i'll be as an admin i already feel like i'm pretty busy because <laughs> i'm currently going through grad school to get my administration as I'm working as an admin oh, administrator. Wow. So yeah, well, was there's... your, was your life not complicated enough? Like did nope. you have to just add to it for a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So I try to get as much of that done through the summer while I had some time off, but mm -hmm. you know, the kids want to hang out and I want to be in the shop. So that didn't go as planned, but That's all right. we did knock a few papers out. So you get it, it's it, you know i hate i hate the term work-life balance because balance implies that i like the way bob puts it where he doesn't like how people call it kind of it doesn't mean things are equal yeah it just means that there's a balance like there's a not an e not that things are on equal levels that you know you understand where work fits in where this fits in you're balancing the priorities not so much the things themselves and i think there's something to be said for like i I've been very, I'm very bad at this. I readily admit I'm very bad at this. I work seven days a week. I work four days a week at the day job and three days a week in my shop. Like I, I have those three days budgeted in my shop. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm in my shop. If I'm not in my shop on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, bet that on one of those days I was there extra or I was working on something at home so that I could take that day off from the shop because I just gotcha. I have to. Um, but I'm really bad about that. I readily admit it. Like I, I spend too much time doing that stuff. This morning I was, this weekend was a busy weekend and it was just this morning I was packing up orders and last night I was packing up orders and I have, people are waiting on quotes for me. I have 12 pending quotes sitting in my email right now. Oh. It's the only thing in my inbox. And that, I think the balance is going, I need a day off from all this and I'm just going to take that day off. Like I, it's going to be here tomorrow and being okay with that. So I think, you know, spending shop time with your son, I think that's, that makes perfect sense to me. I think I wish yeah. I had, I wish I had that mindset where I could just go, that's what I'm doing today. And I'm okay with it. You know? Yeah. But it, then he's like, when are we going to finish that? <laughs> we don't do oh. two consecutive days. Right. Oh, no. so I'm like, <laughs> um, I'll get to it. And then they played with those swords for like two days, and now I couldn't tell you where they're at. So, <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> do you feel? Do you feel like a like a weird obligation when you're in there with him? Like to, I, I know the safety stuff comes naturally. I mean, we're all pretty. We're not crazy rebel, you know, shop people. We do normal things and we take care of ourselves, right? But do you find that there's like an extra bit of pressure to demonstrate 
everything perfectly so that you know because he's watching and you want to make sure and like do you want to be a good example like are you extra more careful than you would normally be yeah i think he usually gets a little impatient with the setup going <laughs> let's make sure the gun's way over here and unplugged and then let's lay everything out so yeah i do and he'll throw on the big respirator and that's good i mean uh glasses gloves that are a little too big sometimes but you know it's important just because then we can just clean it up quickly after so yeah i do and i i don't know i have like this twinge anytime i see my kid like in danger it's like a spidey sense it's weird mm -hmm. and i don't ever want to like feel that on purpose so i always i'm like super cautious when he's in there and i, I don't even have my machines plugged in at any time when i'm not oh in really there. Yeah, it's kind of annoying, but it's just kind of how it is. It's okay. I mean, it's, yeah, I, <laughs> that's actually kind of smart because you can't accidentally turn on something if it's not plugged in. Yeah. My dad, my dad was a carpenter and I was not allowed in his shop, period. Mm -hmm. If I went in his shop, death. So yeah. I never went in his shop. That just wasn't an option. Didn't happen. Not a possibility. But what I was allowed to do is I was allowed anything in the garage any tools that were in the garage, I had free use of. He didn't care. His shop, don't touch anything. But in the garage, you know, hammers, screwdrivers, nails, you know, all all that stuff. There was even a drill that I learned how to use on my own because I just saw him doing it. But I wasn't allowed to touch his tools. And he always told me if I ever became a carpenter, he would break both my legs so that I couldn't work anymore because he never <laughs> wanted me to be what he was. And I think that's so funny because... After he was gone, when uh, Steve Ramsey did his weekend woodworker course, I was like, you know, my dad didn't want me to be a woodworker, but he's not around anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like maybe, maybe I have, maybe I have the family genes, and I just grew to really love it. So, how did that start? How did it all start for you? Like, how did you? How like woodwork is a very specific thing. Like, you know, people that are makey make people that make stuff or a crafty or whatever they don't always end up at woodwork so how'd you end up there um well i did not have a dad influence we were a baseball family growing up so okay i think um having a younger family was kind of like an outlet like i said i was kind of always wanting to get back to that creative side mm -hmm. and i think just a different medium like wood i mean it's readily available to be mm -hmm. honest i kind of do a started doing a lot of reclaimed wood just kind of using that and going for it and it's like free and i can experiment so i'm not too upset if i ruin <laughs> like a nice hardwood and it kind of just stemmed from that like i i can do that pinterest stuff my wife even bought a sign from <laughs> some craft store and i'm like i can scroll it better than that so i did and i put i think that's one of my first way back who knows when I put up like a comparison and like did a, my poll or something. And <laughs> people are probably too nice. They're like, yeah, that's better, you know, but it's, yeah, it's just that creative side of me being, it's, it shows, lefty, it, it really does show like you do definitely enjoy what you do. Like there is, you're, you seem genuinely proud when something's done. Like there's, you're always smiling in the shop. You don't seem <laughs> like you're just kind of slogging through. It's like, no, you're enjoying what you're doing. It really does show. Yeah, it is fun. And it, the funny thing is, like, I'll plan to just do a few hours, and then I look down, and, you know, as any worker, it's like, oh, four hours later, <laughs> I guess I better get to bed. I have work in the morning. <laughs> but um, that's kind of, I'm like the weekend warrior, the night owl, I guess. So 
it's just so fun. You have um, a massive following on Instagram. Like, I know. <laughs> so this is the funny thing. Like, I almost I never visit anyone's profile page. But yeah. I just know, like, I see people around a lot, and it's like, oh, I, you know, obviously this person has, you know, good connections within the community. But for those of you that don't know Kevin, he has 14,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> was there a moment where it just blew up, or was it just this steady climb? Like, how, do you, how did you garner an audience that large? Because that's not just I'm popular. That's I'm really popular. People like my stuff. Like, how did you... When did it, um, like, what was the ramp like for that? So I think it was really slow, gradual. And then the fickle thing that Instagram is, something hit. Like, I had a board going through a planer and that thing went viral. Like, a million <laughs> views. I'm like, really? What is wrong with people, right? <laughs> and so so I saw, like, a, a pretty rapid increase. And then I've been, like, flatlined for a few months but you know what i really haven't put as much effort i mean i'm i'm always daily posting and being consistent that way i've been taking like sundays off and my content probably is suffering a little bit just because i'm not doing as much these days but i think just being consistent and i i do i i'm in a few chat groups and just kind of building that community because um you know tiff marchant mm -hmm. from night carver yep. i think she mentioned it when she's like I don't know how I met them. I think it was through Kevin. You know? So <laughs> I'm always like trying to um, promote other people. Matter of fact, we did some kind of the maker challenge with, uh, I just spaced her name, Nick and Oak, Oak Mill, Christy. Anyway, they, they ran some kind of maker challenge and Ricky, do you know Ricky TV? He I reached don't. out to me okay. and he's like, and Andrew, you know, AG does it, right? Andrew? Yes. yes. Um, he reached out to me. He's like, what's this challenge? And I'm like, should I tell him? Because he's pretty talented, right? <laughs> I want to win it, this it, thing. I'm not it, telling him anything. Now, um, it was fun. It's kind of a collab thing. But I told him and then he pairs up with Andrew from AG or AG does it. And they make that Game Boy that was insane. And I'm like, but it's great like <laughs> i don't care i mean i i respect their talent and i every day kind of see myself in awe going the things that people make it's amazing so you ever good, you ever, good for you <laughs> i know that happens to me a lot so it, it's funny you say that because you said you respect their talent a lot and i find myself like in awe of the people around me more often than not like even people doing the things i do i see someone just come right out and do something better and i just go wow like that's that's impressive <laughs> you know it's it's constant there's always there's always someone you know is um frank uh oh boy not frank mir um oh whatever it doesn't matter one of the ufc guys famously yeah. said that he when he trains he trains with someone better than him and someone worse than him he learns from the guy that's better and then he teaches the guy that's not as good as he is. And that's it's awesome. like, I'm starting to feel like, um, Frank Shamrock, that's who it was. Okay. And I'm starting to feel like as I've kind of put my feet down and say, okay, this is where I am. Like I'm hanging around people that are better, smarter, faster than me. And then I'm, you know, there are people that come to me for advice. And when somebody comes to me for advice, I'm like me, <laughs> me, I don't know what the hell I'm <laughs> hey, doing. You're talented, man. <laughs> I you got try. some talent. 
I, I, I've taken on. I, I mentioned Bob a lot because I've taken taken on the Bob, you know, mindset of I don't need to be an expert in anything. I just want to be good at a lot of things. Like I, I never want to say I should have tried that ever. I want to always be like trying new things and. I feel like once I stop trying new things, then someone should call the police because I've been kidnapped and that's my cry for help. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I'll be on the line. That's kind (laughs) of my drive too. Like I love seeing things, but I also like to take what they're doing and kind of make it my own Mm -hmm. and just, you know, because everyone's unique and they all have their own style. Sure. Like if someone came and saw me work, they'd be like, what? How does he get anything done? (laughs) And produce some of these things which is fine because i'm not i'm not like textbook right i kind of find my own way through it and if it works for me it's a good it's a good process well for me for me it's like one of the things that's happened over the last couple of years in particular since i got the job that i currently have um i can't draw to save my life but what i can do is i can use illustrator really really well i'm very good with adobe illustrator I'm very good with typography. I'm very good with layout, right? And the more I learn doing that stuff, the better I feel like my work is becoming. Like even this weekend, I was remaking my stamp because I'm starting to make stamps because I just, I've always wanted to and they always sucked. And finally, I just said, I'm going to get this to work. And I got my first stamp to work and it didn't work great, but it worked. I was like, okay, I learned a lot making that stamp. So now I sit there in Adobe Illustrator. I'm like, okay, how do I make this a process that I can teach to someone else? Because I've, I, Dean Duplantis, who's the king of stamps on Instagram, he gave me his process, but he did it with Photoshop. And honestly, I don't use Photoshop at all. Like I use it for editing photos. I probably use Lightroom more than Photoshop at this point. And I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. If I had tried to do what I did this weekend two years ago when I really just started leaning into learning Illustrator, it would have been a complete, utter disaster. Like, I never would have gotten it done, and it probably would have come out like my first batch of stamps, but I'm lucky enough to have the technical background that I understand the technical stuff. So when it comes to the making stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, the making stuff, just I'll do that. Like, fine. But yeah. I, like, I like the technical stuff. If, for those of you listening, you don't hear this live, but... Kevin and I, Kevin got to see my day job skills brought to life before we recorded. So, you know, like the technical stuff doesn't face like, oh, this, this program doesn't work. I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll fix it. Like I can fix that. I don't worry about computer breakdowns, technical failures, none of that. I'm more worried about a tool breaking down because I won't know what the hell to do. <laughs> like I need to call somebody. Help me. My damn saw doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And see, I'm the flip side. I'm like that CNC, I could probably do a, a lot more with it had I known a little bit more about technology. So it's crazy, um, right? I, yeah. Yeah. You have to become, you have to almost become like an amateur technologist. Like you can't, you can't step into a shop anymore and have no digital fabrication knowledge. Like you're going to use something that requires you to know how this stuff works. You don't have to be an expert on it, but you have to be competent. And yeah. competence, I think, is probably the key for everything it's just knowing what the tools do how to use them all that stuff well and i think within the community even if you don't have that skill set there's so many supportive people that you can ask and learn those things and try them out and if you still need help you can go back to that person or learn from someone else so that's the best part about i think the community so 
Have you learned sure. a skill? Have you learned a skill or, you know, picked up something over the years that just you went, wow, I know how to do that. Like it's something that you go, I never would have thought that I could be doing that. Like, does anything surprise you that it's in your skill set now? Um, I think epoxy. I think when it was really big, I'm like, that's awesome, but I don't want to start anything on fire. Right. <laughs> um, and now I'm getting people asking me like, what do you use? Mm-hmm. What are some tr- tricks and tips? And I'm like, you know, here they are. So I think that's one. And then when I first got my CNC, I was super intimidated by it. And now I just have learned to do it. And like you said, I'm not super <laughs> competent with technology, but mm-hmm. I have enough skill to get by. And right. um, the programs I use work for me. They probably wouldn't be recommendations that I hear on people's podcasts, but it, it works. <laughs> I feel like that's I feel like that's something that a lot of people go through, and uh, usually the people that that hits the hardest are the people that think like, because let's be honest, when you talk about digital fab of any kind, somebody goes, mm. "That's not real," blah blah blah, because the machine does all the work, right? And they literally yeah. do believe that the machine does all the work, and then yeah. you get the machine and you put it down somewhere and you start going, "Okay, machine." What do you need to work? It's like, well, here's all the setup involved in making one cut. Oh, oh, this is hard. Yeah, it's really hard. It's a different skill set. Yeah, and sometimes that's why I'll revert back to a scroll. If it's something like small enough, I can just go scroll out. Mm -hmm. It's so much faster to just go use the tool than sit there and program it. But the nice thing is that if someone else wants it, then it's there and you can just send it again, right? Set it up and send it. So the pros and cons of it. (laughs) But yeah, you do know. If you've listened to this show, I mean, you know that Juice Grooves are my nemesis. They've been my nemesis forever. Like, it's the running gag on this show that I don't do Juice Grooves because I can't. But um, back in my old shop, I did figure out how to do it with CNC. And it would take me forever to set the damn CNC up to do these. And at some point, I realized, like, all right, I'm just going to go back to I don't do these. And then, obviously, (laughs) my shop was in big transition. The CNC is still on the floor at the moment. But a couple of weeks ago, my biggest customer asked me, he goes, I, I, I need some cutting boards. I'm like, yeah, no problem. He goes, but they need to have juice grooves. I'm not, no more no juice grooves. I'm like, Ray. He goes, no, I'm, I, I won't buy them from you if they don't have a juice groove. I'm like, all right, I'll do a juice groove. And I've been doing them now on all the boards that he buys, like by default. And what I've realized as I'm doing, there's a reason I'm telling the whole story, but the reason I'm amazed is, you know, for those of you that think the CNC does all the work, I could literally do a juice groove in about 25 seconds now with the jig and the router as opposed to the <laughs> setup involved in getting the CNC going to cut the juice groove. It's just not worth the effort anymore. Like, yeah. I would never do it with the CNC. Even when the CNC is set up, which should be this weekend, God willing, um, <laughs> even when the CNC is set up, I can't imagine just doing it that way anymore like it's not gonna happen it's never yeah i agree someone asked me why i was using a template the other day they're like run your cnc and i'm like because i don't have this on there i just can bandsaw quick (laughs) flush trim it and it's it's anything it's almost as fast so plus it's kind of fun too you know 100 percent. i have avoided using templates for a really long time but this juice groove thing with um the juice groove jig that i bought 
is really opened my eyes to the fact that, hey, there's a lot of manual ways, and they're faster. And yeah. my shop time, I mean, it is three days a week. It's not three days plus a night plus a weekend. No, it's three days a week. If I don't get it done these three days, I got to wait four to get the next round of three days. So I have to be frighteningly efficient in the shop. Like I have to be ruthlessly efficient. So if something's going to take me an hour to set it up on the CNC and get it done, and something's going to take me a couple of passes on the bandsaw and a template and then a flush trim afterwards, it's like that's, that's a no-brainer. Like, yeah. it's, I, I have the skill set to do stuff like that on the CNC. I've done it on the CNC, but I would much rather do it with a template now. I'm get, I'm, I'm reverting. I started with the technology. <laughs> now I'm, like, going to – I'm going to be the Woodwright shop soon. I'm just going to be sitting there with, like, a mallet and dowels putting everything together. <laughs> hey, that works. Well, the joke is, like, you can start something on the CNC, but you got to set it up. And while it's going, you can be working, but – no one ever That's does that. the case i know no. it's like it's like so. the glowforge when i have the glowforge going i'm like now nah, the glowforge will just work and i'll just do other things and it's like no the glowforge is going to run and you're going to sit there like a monkey in the zoo <laughs> and you're going to watch every line of it burn but uh, that's funny I, I do have to do i did do that i i don't know if you i don't know if you saw it in my stories but i was experimenting with corian in the glowforge i didn't see that that was scary <laughs> Was don't, it? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've, I don't know why I thought that was okay. Like I, like what could go wrong? And the, fr I had it up higher, and I ran the laser through it, and it just started sparking like crazy because there's aluminum apparently uh -oh. in Corian, and I did not know this until I cut it and wondered why the hell is it sparking like that? I wouldn't have guessed that as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, lesson learned so i moved it as far down as it would go to be focused on and it almost worked half inch corian almost worked in the glowforge so now i'm so, trying to figure out do i want to risk burning down my glowforge which would kill my business i'd be dead tomorrow or do i want to just go it's not worth doing like i don't know I've, i'm scared but i'm curious like can i get through like would two more passes get me through that that's what i want to know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's the experimentation we go through, right? Yeah. See how far we can push things, and then we know. I'm scared because I'm also not in a building I own anymore. Like, if I was in my own house and that's I burned right. my own house down, that would suck. I'm not saying that would be good, but at least it's my own house. If I burn down my shop, it's a 125,000-square-foot building. The idea of my shop going up in flames and taking that building with it, it's not comfortable <laughs> yeah well that's great you're responsible i'm trying so, i'm trying so i have a question for you because i i know like you have a cnc mm -hmm. and then you evolve to the laser does mm -hmm. the cnc get <laughs> kind of pushed aside because that's what my biggest fear is like i really want a laser make a lot of these jobs easier like that map i just did uh-huh i cnc that and i was like if i had a laser i wouldn't have had a sand I could have. You did a lot of cleanup on that map, dude. <laughs> yeah. You did a and lot of cleanup. Like, oh, man, that would have made my life a lot easier. So that's kind of the next step. But I mean, do you use your CNC a lot with the I'm Glowforge? I'm just going to say this. I had. Okay, so my evolution was um, X Carve. Okay. Then I never got it together. 
um, Bruce Ulrich actually bought my X-Carve. <laughs> I shipped it to him in Mississippi when he was living in Mississippi. Yeah. Um, he bought it from me. And then I basically sold it to him for the price of shipping because it was sitting in my basement. I'm like, I just want it gone. Take it. Um, he took it. He never used it because he looked at the assembly instructions. It was like, I'm not doing this either. And he sent it on to somebody else. So basically two people had it and were like, this is not worth it. I got a Glowforge afterwards. And the Glowforge, I financed it in December of 2018. By March of 2019, it had paid for itself. Oh, wow. And I was so into the Glowforge at that point, like so into it. And I still am like, I'm, I'm a little scared that I rely as much on it as I do because it's four years old. That tube only lasts five years. Yeah. Like, it's going to die next year, especially with the amount that I use. I use it in every shop trip it's used. So I'm really scared. But to answer your question, that's the long way around. But to answer your question, um, I would, if I had to choose a Digifab machine, I would keep the laser and everything else could go. Yeah. You know? In fact, I'm looking at now, um, I've been looking at a 32 by 48 Ohmtech 100 watt carbon dio- uh, CO2 laser and the cooling uh-huh. unit. Um, it's going to be about seven grand. And I can justify that investment because I'm doing so much more acrylic and wedding decor and that kind of stuff. And it's like, if I could cut bigger sheets faster, my, my, like someone ordered a hundred table signs from me today. I have to tell her, no, I can't do it. I can't do a hundred table signs on the Glowforge. I just can't. I will lose my damn mind because the sheets I'm working with are 19 by 11. Oh, and yeah. she wants eight by ten, eight by ten table signs, which means two sheets of acrylic for every two, for every two signs, two for the signs, and then the bases go on two. And you could, you could jigger it; you'll get more more bases out of one, but you're still not going to get more than two signs yeah. out of one. And I'm like, I need to be able to put a three foot by three foot slab of acrylic in this machine. And cut it all out of one piece and just let it go at, you know, 150 millimeters a second. Like, let it go crazy. Yeah. So, I'm thinking I'm going to have to make that investment. I have one of my one of my buddies on Instagram is an affiliate for Ohm Tech, And I think I'm just going to have to pull the trigger and finance nice. it and make it work. And So, yeah, that's, that's the answer. Like, I would never upgrade my CNC. I just don't yeah. use it enough to justify upgrading it. I've tried a few times to sell it. it 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 didn't fall through it's not that i don't like it i just don't use it that much so, yeah but lasers i love lasers i lasers are magic to me lasers and 3d printers are still magic to me i never get tired of either one yeah yeah they're pretty magical when i see some of the things i can do oh dude the so. laser lasers i've watched people poo poo and then completely come around on lasers after getting even like I do you remember you probably remember this remember when JTEC I think was the company and they were doing invest they were doing laser add-ons for the X carves yeah everyone was buying these like seven watt diode lasers and it was like wow I can engrave stuff with a laser it's so much nicer and I'm like yeah, I mean, if you got three hours, you know it's fine, it's great. <laughs> but now you know everybody's got a, everybody's got a diode laser now. Like they're they're coming out of China at a rate that's alarming. 
every yeah. day there's another brand with a funny name that's got you know some great new feature that you need and it's like oh everyone's getting lasers so now you better be good at using yours because everyone next to you has one yeah. so it's true but the funny thing is you still have i mean you're still getting orders at that volume that's awesome yeah, yeah. And there's it's, so many out there right I, i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you the god's honest truth i'm gonna tell you the god's honest truth there is um there's a person who was a guest on the show her name is um amy um i won't give her last name i don't know if her last name is out there but her she goes by amy makes that on yeah. instagram she she is she was big when she was on she has absolutely blown up since she was on this show and uh, her I, I remember her episode yeah she's <laughs> she's great and yeah. her mention of me with her table with her signature drink signs at her wedding mm-hmm. just my my whole instant my everything just blew up like nice. she got like 13 million views on the first reel that displayed it oh wow and nice, she tagged me generously like she's like yeah my dear friend vincent ferrari made these and wow did her fans find me <laughs> it's like we need yeah. those now i've gotten so many people and i haven't told her this she'll probably she'll hear this and she'll think it's funny but i've gotten so many people to go i'd say like well sh- cool cool what shape do you want because i have a bunch of shapes i can do for you what did amy get yeah, <laughs> I, want funny. The, I want the amy shape i want the amy shape so hey whatever works man that's yeah. awesome good for you thanks and that's what's cool about it like so, promoting where you said that I sometimes maybe promote others more than myself. Yeah. I mean, if someone's got that talent and I can steer them in that direction, that's, I'll do that. I love, I love doing that. Like I've done it for, I've done it for like, I've had a couple of laser orders that were too big for me and I've steered them to my pal, Al, you know, it's like, Hey, he can do this for you. I can't, but he can definitely do it for you. You know, I don't, I don't know the specifics of what you're looking for. You just give me sizes. And if that's the size you need, he can do it. I can't, you know, I don't mind. I'm always amazed at how uncompetitive our space is. Yeah. Like, it's just not. Like, I know people making stuff that I make who I still consider friends, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not competing with you. Like, I have a customer base. I'm perfectly happy with my customer base. Would I like it to be bigger? Of course I would. Like, yeah. I want I want thousands of customers, and I want to be able to quit my day job and only do this, right? I mean, we all, I think that's what we all want to some degree. Yeah. But it's just like... I don't I don't feel like I'm in a constant state of competition with the people around me. I just don't feel it. Obviously you don't. <laughs> yeah. You're well uh, yeah, I I don't. I mean, there's guys with lasers around me and mm-hmm. I think even like you said, you have that customer base that I think that still come to me and if I couldn't do it I'd definitely pass it on. So Sure. Because um, because when you do that, um, so Amy got her the reason Amy got the signs was because she went to Etsy and the person on Etsy did not take good care of her. They made a they did a terrible job and she was in a bit of a bind and she's like, I know you do this kind of stuff. Can you do these for me? I'm like, Yeah, I can totally do them for you. I she goes, Okay, how much do you want to charge? I'm like, Look, it's not I'm not gonna make a lot of money on this, right? So why don't I do these as like a do these as a freebie, just promote that you promote that you got them from me she goes oh i'll promote them don't worry about that and i was like okay cool you know i'm thinking that's never gonna like if i get a couple (laughs) of customers it's gonna be great like this weekend six of the 10 orders that i sent out were from her customers nice you know and it's just like i know i know that 
that'll get paid back somewhere down the line. Like she did a good thing for me. I I'm working with someone now who's a fan of hers who got in touch with me. It's like, hey, I really like what you did for Amy. She goes, my wedding is August 29th. Oh. And now uh, as we record this, it's <laughs> August 8th. Yes. And where is she? I live in New Jersey. Where is she, right? She's not in New Jersey. She's in Seattle. Oh, wow. And it's like, so I really need to get, and I told her, I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I, I worked out a couple of compromises, and I said, I think if I do it this way, we can get all of it done, and I can ship it all to you well in time for your wedding to put the stuff together. And she's so excited, and I'm like, okay, this is what, this is what my, this is me, right? This is my thing now. Like, I got the I got this customer for doing a, a nice thing. Now you have to take care of the customer. You know, you have to do the right thing for the customer. But I know that if I take care of her, when she needs something again or if she ever knows anyone that needs anything, she's going to send yeah. them to me. And I think that's just worth it. That's yeah. why I don't charge a lot for the stuff I do. I want people to be able to have beautiful stuff and not have to break the bank to do it. Yeah. Which is a terrible well, business model, by the way. I just <laughs> want to point that out. It's an awful business model. But I think it's a long tail business model. And that's kind of what yeah. I'm, I'm treating it like. Like I'm building those customers. I'm building the relationship with the customers. And it's what I like to do. I like to have those relationships and say, okay, yeah, no problem. Same price as last time. We're good. Yeah. I'll send you the quote just to make it official. <laughs> well, I mean, if you, you look at it this way, if you charge like 10 times for one customer or charge like five times and have four customers. Right. I mean, in the end, you're making more money. So I don't think it's a, I mean, yeah, business model, <laughs> maybe no, no, but I mean, I think but it, if I it only pays have off one, in the end. Yeah. If you only have one customer and you're undercharging one customer yeah. and you're probably going to be out of business very quickly. Right. But if you have one customer and you're char your margins are there, like you're not losing money. Yeah. One of the smartest things I ever did was start charging for shipping. I used mm. to eat the shipping. I don't eat the shipping anymore. I charge for shipping. And everything gets shipped UPS ground, and people look at the price, and they go, I can't believe you're charging $8 to ship something that's a pound. It's like, A, it's $8. B, you're going to get it tomorrow. And C, I know yeah. it's going to actually get to you tomorrow, right? Yeah. And when people start, they're like, yeah, you're right. I was like, but here's the thing. This is the trick. If you order two things, I'm still probably going to only charge you eight fifty because it's not going to change the weight that much. And if you so, I have had people like that that jig that I make order three of them. Like, oh, okay, yeah, it's thirty eight fifty. Yeah, but only thirty of that. Thirty of that is the actual jig, and only eight fifty for shipping because they're so light. Like, I can I can yeah. load up an envelope with them. You won't even notice it. But, yeah. It's smart. Have you, I know you, I know you, you do, you do the education stuff, your side business, you were talking about building up inventory for, you know, Halloween coming and stuff. So is there, is there a good side business, just a nice extra money side business? Like, how's that going for you? Um, it, it was pretty good last year. Those sports okay. were pretty, what well, was funny because like you said about maybe undervaluing undervaluing yourself and what yeah. to charge for um your product i just reached out to andrew over at cold brew that does a ton of epoxy boards and he's like i'm like i was thinking about like, i don't know like 100 he's like dude 160 people people want to buy right now they'll they'll buy them up and they did so i'm like yeah. that was a smart move just to communicate with someone that knows their stuff so 
yeah, it went pretty well. We were pretty busy. And a lot of it was like local word of mouth. I mean, I had a few family members and I shipped a few off, but just local people that talk. So that's great. It was good. It was you good. don't have to so, deal. I mean, then you don't have to deal with shipping too much. I mean, you're mostly yeah, just yeah. pick up or hand delivering. That that's great. Which is my kryptonite. You should see me wrap that big sign. I just made that thing was uh, <laughs> thirty by twenty, and <laughs> I had a makeshift a box and yeah. Oh, the tri- the, the triathlon map. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and it was yeah, to yeah. A buddy of mine, and I undercharged him. Like my wife's like, "How much did you charge for that?" And I told her, "It's like." really like he's a buddy (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's all good i've actually it it bothered me um (laughs) recently because when i moved when i moved here i was kind of in this weird transitional phase but i had just bought august of last year was the last time i made a lumber order um i bought a bunch of walnut cherry and paduke because those are the woods i use the most and then if i need maple i can get that it's the only hardwood i can get in the area i can get that and go over to home depot and get maple so i was like yeah i'll get walnut cherry and paduke i bought a bunch of it and the prices were higher than the time before but not as high as they are now so like i'm making boards out of material that i bought a year ago so i can keep my prices that way but i was sitting there one day and i'm like as I'm going through, like I've cranked out in the last couple of weeks, I've cranked out four four boards, and I'm looking at these boards and I'm like, they cost a lot more to make now. Like I'm looking at like, yeah. okay, it's time to replenish my supply of wood, and it's like I can't replenish the wood for what I'm charging for these boards anymore. I can't do it. It's it's just impossible, yeah. and it's a little bit scary now because I don't have that wiggle room that I used to have with the prices of everything where it is. So I actually, in my email newsletter, which I send out every other week, um, I actually just told my customers, hey, look, I've appreciated your business and I'm keeping the price as low as I possibly can, but the prices are going up. Like I had to raise, I raised the prices on my boards like 25, 30 bucks for each. Like I have two basically, I have the, the normal size boards and then I have the larger size boards and they have to go up. They just have to. Otherwise I I can't make money. And if if I'm gonna put, I could get the boards done fast, so my time is not an issue. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of sad. Like it it hurts to raise your prices. As I, so I was relating when you were saying, you know, it's like, oh, you got to charge more, you got to charge more. And it's like, yeah, I know this inherently, but it still hurts like hell when you have a set price for something and then you have to go, listen, the prices are going up, and I can't do yeah. anything about it. So. When I think just that open communication it's not like you weren't being transparent right you're saying this is what's going on and i think they'll respect that i literally said exactly what was going on i was like look the price of everything went up and the reason i didn't up my prices yet is because i'm still working with old lumber that i already had yeah it's changing i'm going to run out i'm in fact the two boards i put out this weekend are probably the last boards out of this out of this pile of wood which means i now have to order wood and because you can't get anything for some reason new york new jersey connecticut you can't get hardwood around here you just can't you have to order it so i end up ordering it from belfast all my wood comes from belfast um and it's expensive they ship for free which is nice (laughs) but it's expensive now and it's not as cheap as it used to be and even though i've noticed like acrylic also acrylic is way more expensive now that's what i've heard like acrylic is like I would say acrylic went up probably about 40%. Wow. 
And it's like, well, I had a big stash of it, but now with all the stuff I'm making, it's like, oh God, I have to order, like I have to make an acrylic (laughs) order tomorrow. Otherwise I can't work this weekend. It's like, yeah. I don't, I've never used this much of a material in my life. Like I'm buying acrylic. I've, I've developed a relationship with Houston acrylic where it's okay. like, we're like buddies now. Cause it's like every week I get a box from Houston acrylic with something in it. So it's, it's super cool. This is the part that sucks about, you know, turning your passion into a business, right? Because what drives me doing this is the business aspect of it. I mean, I like the stuff, but you know, yeah. the business tells me where I'm going to spend my time on the weekend. But it sucks because it's like, oh, I'd, I mean, even making for fun is just almost too expensive now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. That's like when my son's like, let's do some swords and throw some epoxy. And I'm like, you know, that costs money. And if we're not selling it, right? <laughs> so this last board we did, he's like, I want to I wanna put it out there. I want to sell it. I want to okay. buy some buy some stuff with it i'm like we'll throw it out there we'll see so cool. it's funny how he's even having like a little mindset change and <laughs> once i like yeah this stuff's not free buddy <laughs> yeah and the, so. the, the one good thing i mean the one good thing about doing this stuff as a business is that there's a return right like yeah. if you're doing it for fun i'm not saying that's not worth something obviously we all agree that you can do stuff for fun and it's good but it's expensive to do things for fun. Yes. It's a lot cheaper to do things for other people. It really is yeah. because there's a return. You know, I use most of my philosophy is I sell stuff so that I can do the stuff I want to do, which yeah. supposedly works, but I never have the time to do the things I want to do <laughs> because I'm always selling stuff. But I get it. Yeah. That is that balance, right? Like, I just want to go out and create sometimes, but I also mm-hmm. want to buy a new tool that costs money and I can make something and sell it to get that. So it's, it's yep. definitely a cycle. Especially so. with tool, like even especially with tools. Like I, I used to just buy whatever tool I wanted. Now I've gotten into the mindset of, do you really need that tool? And I know that sounds yeah. like it's really cliche, but the reason I got to that point, the reason I got to the point of buying a, um, a juice groove jig was because I made a juice groove jig and I wasn't that happy with it. It got the job done for the first time. I'm like, good, get this out of here. Never using that again. Now we do this the right way. But it's, I, I had an opportunity. I was like, oh, I could buy, you know, I could buy a, a nice router. I could, I could get a smaller CNC that I can fit in the shop. And it's like, no, dumbass, no, stop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not buying another CNC so you could do juice grooves. Stop it. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> You have to kind of talk yourself down at some point, I guess. But, yeah, I get it for sure. But believe it or not, we are we are actually an hour into this recording. Okay. Um, so why don't we kick over and do some uh, things of the week? Because you have a really good thing of the week this week that I was marginally obsessed with most of the day today. So. <laughs> um, yeah, and I actually just happened upon, like, you know, when you pull up the explorer on the reels and came across came across this artist her name's rochelle statman mm-hmm. and she does her medium is drawing with colored pencils and i believe some paint but she, she does, does it on some. wood yeah and just some of the portraits i know the first thing that kind of caught my eye was a a ram skull and it just seemed to like pop off the page like the dimension she had in that with just it's amazing what people can do with just colored pencils. It's it's crazy how realistic some of this stuff gets. So, yeah, I was in awe, and then I went down kind of the rabbit hole and went through some of the videos and 
how the process videos and just just an awe so um super talented like i said i i like to see talent and give praise to it so because what people can create and make is amazing so how about you uh she she is by the way she is freakishly talented like freakishly talented is the she's one of the i there are artists on youtube that do this thing and i bet you she could do it i don't i mean i haven't gotten far enough down in her feed you ever see the artists where they they draw a thing and then they put the thing on top of the thing they drew and then they pull away the thing and the drawing is still there and you can't tell that it moved even like they're so good at drawing photorealistic stuff like she is unbelievably talented um i'll have obviously her link in the show notes Um, well and another just side note off of that as i was going through her feed she also has like a sweet band she made into like a yes little studio type retreat so i mean just another aspect of multi-talented person so (laughs) i call it aggravating honestly i hate i hate when somebody's this good at everything like it's like can you be bad at something please just make us just give us all a shot no she's she's really really talented and i know brooke hates the word talented we just had this whole discussion but she's she's very skilled at what she does like very very skilled It's it's a fun instagram account too the pet portraits are I was thinking of Dave Bauer when I saw the pet portraits, and I think he's going to freak out when he sees some of them. But um, yeah, amazing stuff. My thing of the week. Okay, so there's a little bit of a story for my thing of the week. Um, very brief story because it's not the greatest story in the world, but it puts everything <laughs> in context. So way back, many, many years ago, I believe it was 2016, Amazon came out with a show called The Man in the High Castle. And it was, um, it's an adaptation of the, I believe it's a graphic novel. It might be a regular novel by Philip K. Dick, who some of you may know as Blade Runner guy or do androids dream of electric sheep. You know, if you, if you want to know the book title, not the movie title. Anyway, um, this book is basic. The story is basically the United States and the allies lose World War II. And the United States is divided up into two countries, well, two zones. A zone on the Pacific side of the country that's run by the Japanese, and a zone on the other side of the country that's run by the Nazis. And it's a freakishly good show. But here's the thing. I watched the first episode back in 2016 when it came out, and I was bored to tears. I don't know what it was. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood for it. I watched it. I got 40 minutes into the first episode, which, by the way, they're 43 minutes in. I got 40 minutes in, and I'm like, this show sucks. And I (laughs) shut it off, and I just punched out on it entirely. I was sitting around, and I was listening to a podcast. I don't remember which one, but this guy is like, he was talking about his favorite TV shows, and he says, The Man in the High Castle. And I'm like, what? the hell is wrong with you bro that show sucks and he's like he was talking about it. like the show is just genius like in every way it's genius there's there's a lot of like oh crap moments there's a lot of tension i'm like all right i'm gonna give this show another shot so i went back on friday night i went back to episode one season one back to the beginning and started it up and i was hooked i don't know what the, what changed i really don't but i was borderline obsessed i watched five episodes on friday night starting at seven o'clock so i was up to like one o'clock watching the show and then i finished season one on saturday like it's amazing it's an amazing amazing show it's incredibly well written 
The characters have awesome character development. They throw you into it a little bit, and then they backfill the story and the, the personalities a little bit. I'm okay with that. I can live with that. It's an exceptionally good show, and I highly recommend it. Don't be stupid like me. <laughs> Just watch it and enjoy it. Um, of course, I'll have the link in the show notes, but it's on Amazon. You have Everyone has Amazon Prime. Just go I... look for The Man in the High Castle actually uh remember seeing like it previewed up on the top and i was like this looks like an interesting concept but have never watched it but you can make sure i'm gonna be watching it this weekend it's absolute i'm i'm just gonna say it's genius the way it's done like it's it just feels like there's just tension all the time and you just feel it all the time and you really want to know like one of the great things is they don't explain they don't hit you over the head with like simplicity they're not just over explaining everything you're gonna have to figure out what's going on they'll tell you eventually what went on but it's not oh hit you over the head obvious it's much more subtle and they're built they're clearly building the first season built towards something and then ended and the second season has been building towards something and in fact what i will probably do while i'm editing is i will throw that on while I eat my ice cream and edit this podcast, because I, <laughs> I got to figure out what happened at the end of season two. It's that good. So yeah, really great show. Just like I said, genius level television. I would put it for those of you that know me well, I would put it on the level of like fringe. That's how oh, wow. good it is. Like and fringe, like fringe to me is a, and the Americans fringe <laughs> and the Americans are my two favorite TV shows of all time. I would put this right up there with it. It's that good. So how many seasons does it have? Four, and I think four. it got. I think it got canned at the end of the fourth. I really do hope that if it, they knew it was coming, that they tied it up in a nice little bow, because I'm going to be really upset if I get to the end of the fourth <laughs> season. It's a cliffhanger, and I know there ain't a fifth. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hoping. Nice. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Send the good juju. Everybody, send good juju. You know who also sends a lot of good juju? people that support this show financially and those people include dave from atomic airship works ed from ed's clocks and more chris of full steam designs jeff stein aka a weird guy joey from jh custom woodcraft dean duplantis of making our way tony langer of langer works jake of make with jake big al schultz from new york woodworks rory langefeld from rll woodworks and diy is back thank you rory welcome back to the um, hall of fame here justin ofler of bear Maked, greg from platte valley woodworks andrew richard of andrew richard makes kellen hazlip of kellen makes david from southern style diy jeff the weekend diyer henry davis of ht1 metalworks austin saunders the high caliber craftsman and matthew the wooden mustache we really appreciate everybody that supports the show financially if that's not something you're able to do that's fine too please leave a review share the show tell someone about it and that's what enables us to get quality guests and keep the show coming week after week um we can't do it without you guys and we do appreciate however you help this show grow well kevin we made it we made it we did a full episode (laughs) we got it in (laughs) <laughs> didn't look like it was going to happen. It was a little for rocky a at first, but yeah, but, I appreciate you having me on, man. This no has been problem. fun. What, um, this hour flew by. <laughs> it it really did. Where can people uh, Where can people find you? Um, so I am on Instagram, TikTok, and just a few shorts on YouTube. <laughs> That's a goal coming up. So okay, 
maybe maybe I'll have a bigger presence when I have more time over there. So wait, 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 um, more time? Wait, are you planning on having more time? Like, where is that going to happen? I don't know. Well, maybe when I'm out of grad school, I'll be a big YouTube star. Then there you go. Hey, goals. So, it's all about goals. Yeah, that's um, right. Of course, I'll have all of Kevin's links in the show notes so you guys can go check him out. I mean, not for nothing, but I checked today just because I was curious and of my followers. So I have about just shy of 2,800 at this point. And of that follower number, 227 people that follow me are also following Kevin. So a lot of you are already <laughs> clued into what's good. So, um, But yeah, Kevin, I really appreciate you coming on. And thanks for coming on, especially on such short notice. I think... I asked you like Tuesdays, like, Hey, can you come on on like Monday? And you're like, yeah, sure. I'll be there. So I do appreciate yeah. that also. Uh, well, I appreciate you asking and thinking of me. Oh, absolutely. It's, it was funny. Cause you were on the list of the next round of bookings. I was like, well, maybe I can bump them earlier and we'll take them earlier. So, um, nice. I just realized, no, I didn't. Okay. I thought I just deleted the upcoming guest list next week. We are, we're doing this, and people seem to like this, so I'm gonna, we're going to keep doing it. So next week, barring some crazy vacation by either Brooke or I – no, I'm just kidding. There's not going to be any vacation involved. Next week's guest is the one and only Joni Sprague, um, and that's going to be wild. Oh, like, that's she, wild. I love, to have, I love her. She's awesome. <laughs> and to have someone from one of my favorite TV shows of all time, not America's Next Top Model. No, that would be Trading Spaces. That was the show I was thinking of. So calm down, everybody. I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy. But no, I'm really looking forward to chatting with her. So next week, we're going to chat with the one and only Joni Sprague. So you're not going to want to miss that. And until then, have a great week, everybody. And we will catch you then. Let's see ya. Yeah.